Do you know what time it is? It's time for the Workforce Show, where you will learn the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM. Thank you all so much for joining us today. My name is Victor DeLeon, and I am very excited to introduce to you Mr. Luis Buranda, Deputy Secretary of State for the state of Maryland. Is that right? Almost. It's Borunda, but that's great. Borunda. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I just butchered that. We just went through that like four seconds ago. It's a Basque name, so it's not like, you know, Lopez or, you know... De Leon or something like that, you know, so. Borunda. No te Did I get that right? Yeah, that's absolutely Very good. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I, I want to dive right in. I've been reading your bio. I've, I've been asking you so many questions in our, our pre-interview. So first and foremost, I learned that you are the first of many. You're, you're the first Latino to serve on the Board of Education in Baltimore County. Right. You're the first Latino to serve as a Deputy, Deputy Secretary of State in the state of Maryland. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And so I, I want to dig into some of those things. And before I do, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of just introduce yourself to those that may not know you and those that may not know exactly what the Deputy Secretary of State does. So uh, the floor is yours. Oh, thank you, Victor. I appreciate that very much. First of all, um, I'm the oldest of five children, born in East L.A. <laughs> uh, before the song was popular. And uh, as you smiled and, and, and laughed, uh, if your audience is smiling and laughing too, <laughs> I know how old your audience is. So. But I was uh, the first of five and went uh, to school in, in New Mexico, which is where my family is originally from. Our family settled in New Mexico in 1735. So one of the interesting things about coming from New Mexico is when people ask me where where my family comes from and I say New Mexico, they always ask me, well, part, what part of Mexico is that? And, I, <laughs> and I'll remind them that New Mexico is a state. The state of Texas. State of Texas, state of the U.S. Yeah, that's that's right. right. But, you know, it's something that I get or I've gotten, I've lived here in D.C. now five years. And uh, when people ask me, so where are you from? And I'll say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm from D.C. because I live here. And they're like, well, no, where are you really from? And I'm like, um, you mean like the neighborhood in DC? <laughs> <laughs> just, just ask me. Maybe what's yeah, what's your heritage? What's your, what's your background? Nobody's from DC, is what right. I found out. <laughs> That's right. So, um, you, your family immigrated here uh, many years ago. You said 1735. You you grew up in LA, but you still count called New Mexico home. I do. Uh, my roots are are New Mexican. Uh, I love yeah everything about New Mexico or green Chile from Hatch is is world famous. But I, I moved here 35 years ago. And uh, I should say I moved into the area uh, 35 years ago into Maryland. And uh, that came about because I happened to meet my wife in uh, New Mexico, in Albuquerque, where I was living at the time. And the intention was to bring her, uh, get married here in, in, in Maryland and, and then moved back to New Mexico. Well, you know, 35 years and six kids later, I think we're sticking around. Wow. I, I think so, too. And, and what brought you to, to the DMV area? To, to, was it STEM-related? Was it work? Was it school? What, what brought you here? Actually, 
one of the things that I really focus on uh, in our community is opportunity. And so when I moved to the Baltimore area 35 years ago, the Latino population was invisible. Mm. And that gave me a sense that there might be opportunity as an entrepreneur, uh, as a person who uh, is able to rally and motivate people uh, to begin to do some things and to work in the community. And, th- and that's what we did. We began by forming the Baltimore Hispanic Chamber of Commerce when we saw the need for an organization that represented Hispanic businesses, which began to grow about 10 years after I, I, I moved here. What year was that? 1984. 1984. That was the Maryland Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. That was actually the Baltimore Hispanic Baltimore, Chamber of Commerce okay. that, that I actually formed. There was a Maryland Hispanic Chamber of Commerce at that time as well. It was pretty new, and I engaged uh, with that organization as well and became, became one of the early uh, members of the Maryland Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. So my, 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 my business background and my uh, desire to connect dots really helped uh, move uh, the Hispanic business community in Maryland forward, and it was just an opportunity to, to serve my community. That's excellent. And and I know reading through your bio, you know, fast forward from moving or relocating to uh, Maryland, to the Baltimore area and, and starting the Baltimore Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and, and just really just growing from there to being the co-founder, uh, excuse me, founding president of the Baltimore Hispanic Chamber to being the president of a youth entrepreneur group to being the chairman of the Maryland Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. And the list goes on and on and on of, of all right. your accomplishments and accolades. Um I want to ask you something specific with with a nexus to STEM. Um, In some of these projects that you did, and certainly in your capacity now as a Deputy Secretary of State, what what do you see uh, as far as building out STEM or the importance of STEM that maybe some of our listeners, whether they're in high school, they're in college, or they just want to, you know, give some career advice to to someone related to STEM? How has how have you worked in STEM, and how are you currently working in STEM? One of the interesting things was uh, early on, I started a nonprofit called U.S. Hispanic Youth Entrepreneur Education, which focused on the high school to college continuum for Latino youth. But we also introduced this whole area of science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Now, arts was kind of a, a new concept to bring into the quote-unquote STEM or science, technology, engineering, and math field. But we also know that art engages the um, uh, the creative part of the mind or the brain that that makes engineering possible. Right. So we began to introduce our, our young people to this concept of uh, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math as being a, a potential career path. One of the exciting things about that uh, career path is that it's a very well-paying uh, a profession, mm-hmm. the, the the professions that are in that come out of STEM, uh, with just a four year degree. Obviously, we now know how expensive college is, and the 
And it seems almost as though in education, four years just isn't enough. Right. It seems as though it's, you know, they've, they've continued to, well, you've got to get a master's and then a PhD and nothing, there's nothing wrong with grad school and so on and so forth, but it gets very expensive. One of my sons is actually getting his PhD at UC Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. He happened to graduate from Johns Hopkins University, Mm -hmm. which both with his undergrad and, and his master's. And so we know the costs. Yeah. Of of getting a, an education at a good school, I I know that personally. I I'm I'm 41. I just turned 40, 41 last month, and I am still paying off my undergrad wow. and graduate yeah. uh, school loans. So it, it it very it's that's a personal connection to me. But yes, it, it is expensive. And so on on that note, I think it's also important to point out that as helpful as college and grad school and everything that comes after that, whether it's law school, medical school, or what have you, uh, can be helpful in in taking or moving people up to the next uh, social economic levels and, and, and many more opportunities. There's also something to be said about trade and trade school. Um, what is Maryland or what is your office, if your office has any involvement in this, or what is the state of Maryland doing along those fronts? Uh, you know, it's very interesting because on a regular basis, I'm in contact with trade associations uh, during the course of, of, of my work. And I, I recall not, not too long ago, I was approached by the president of one of the boating associations, and he said, Luis, we can't find enough young people mm. to, to get into this field. And I said, well, how much are you paying? He says, we start kids at $18 an hour. Wow. And, and that's without you know, any college you know, mm-hmm. education. So while I've always been a big proponent of college uh, in its traditional form being an option and available to young people, I think young people today really need to look at their options. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of options available. We talked about my, my daughter who decided not to pursue college and had gotten into a career path in high school in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's right out of high school. She went to work for Baltimore County's police department and began earning her retirement right out of high school. That's incredible. So she's, you know, on track to graduate for, uh, or, or retire rather, uh, whatever, 42, 44 years old. And so these are the kinds of options that our young people need to be more aware of. Mm-hmm. Not that I, not that I, I, I don't think that college is a a good thing. I don't want your listeners to think that at all. Mm-hmm. But I do want parents as well as young people to think through what options are available. I, I cannot agree with you more. When when I was in the state of Texas, I was working in workforce development and helping improve educational attainment levels at high school and, and everything beyond that. And one of the things I would sometimes say in my different speaking engagements, and depending on who was in the room, there would be this gasp in, in the room. And I would say, college is not for everyone. Right. However, it should be available to everyone, and everyone should explore that if that is something they want to do. But we, we should not overlook trade schools. And, and and there's something to be said about trade um, jobs and trade school. And many of those are in the STEM field, Absolutely. are in law enforcement, are in, in any and every other industry or sector that could mirror also college or beyond that. Is that, is that correct? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, for example, I, I know a young man who uh, graduated from high school, and one of the big uh, tech firms uh, took him right out of high school. And he he was making seventy seventy five thousand dollars a year right out of high school, mm-hmm. going into uh, the the tech tech field. So the, the young people need to be aware. Obviously, a young person needs to apply themselves mm-hmm. in in high school, and to whatever degree think about their future. Now, I wish I was you know preaching to the to the choir, but but I didn't. You know, it it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it. That's right. And, you know, developing those soft skills in in high school, doing internships, doing, you know, co-op where you get to go to school and get get to go to work as well, I think are... Uh, opportunities for for young people to develop some of those skills that'll be beneficial to them later. And and again, this is not to discourage college. It's not to discourage no. grad school or anything beyond that. But we just shouldn't overlook trade school as well. And certificates. You know, many certificates are available within these these realms and beyond that. Sure. That can also offer a very very comfortable lifestyle. So as long as you apply yourself, as long as you know what your passion is, or at least try to discover it. Yeah. I know I've. Uh, found several passions and keep changing them along the way. I, uh, at 41, I think this is my third career, right. I think. Um, so there, there's, you're never, I, I don't think, locked into something unless it is something that you find that you want to do forever. Right. And and that does exist. There's some people that to this day are maybe on their 25th, 40th year anniversary of doing, you know, X or, or doing, you know, B. And, and there's absolutely a necessity for that. And, and, and that should be uh, applauded and, and, and certainly respected. But there's others that want to change every three to five years. And that's okay, too. I, I think that's what keeps this economy uh, going and certainly interesting. Sure. Uh, but like you said, I, I really feel that young people, as early as possible, need to ask themselves a very important question. And you mentioned it. And that question is why? You know, why am I going to do X? Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I, how will my life benefit from this act, activity or, or action? Mm-hmm. And there, there are so many great avenues that will allow kids to build for their future and doing some amazing things. Mm-hmm. Whether it, it, it could be as something, something as simple as joining the Honor Society, for example, in high school, sure. which gives kids opportunities for, for leadership. Or taking the lead in whatever activity that they're that they want to engage in in school, whether it's you know sports or chorus or whatever it might be, I always encourage young people to raise their hand and 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 uh, up, apply or, or or run for something, um, look for opportunities to to serve and to lead. So you actually did run for something, if I'm if I'm correct, you. You served on the board of education in Baltimore County. Was that a position yet to run for? In, in Baltimore, at that time, it was the 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 governor appointed. I see a school the school board in Baltimore County, as he did in in most counties in Maryland at that time. Okay, things have changed since I was part of the school board, and and even in Baltimore County, there are. There are certain districts where you where you have to run mm-hmm. if it's an open seat. So you were appointed to that position, and your current position you were appointed to as yeah. well. Is that right? Yeah. Well, what year were you appointed? I came in with uh, Governor Hogan five years ago. Mm. So 
it was uh, this is actually uh, a, an opportunity that uh, that I was honored by. Uh, I had met Governor Hogan when he was uh, Secretary of Appointments under Governor Ehrlich, mm. and so this was uh, an extension of my networking and uh, putting myself in position to to help. And uh, I actually let the administration know that I was available to serve, and and they gave me that this opportunity. So I'm blessed. I, I think putting uh, I want to focus on something you just said: putting yourself in a position to help is very important because sometimes opportunity means meets luck and if you're at the right place at the right time and around the, the, the right people, these opportunities present themselves. And I think it's very important because in, in, in some of the interviews that we've done before um, on this show, we, we've talked to individuals and asked them, how did you get here? What Was it just your educational trajectory that got you here? Was it just um, your family connections? Was it just your, uh, you know, X fill in the blank? And, and more times than not, it's a combination of all those things, but it's also just going for it. It's asking, like you said, raising your hand, making yourself available. Because if you don't voice or say what you want or manifest it or put it out there, who the heck's going to know? Yeah. That's one of the things I think or challenges that uh, Latinos uh, in particular face because I think culturally and and, and perhaps even by nature, we, we tend to... Uh, uh, we don't tend to put ourselves out there. We don't. Uh, we tend to be a little bit more reserved. And uh, but you, you, you do. You have to raise your hand. You have to let people know that you're available. And that's part of what leadership is: is mm-hmm. making yourself available. So yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, when you're when you put yourself in position, when you've uh, uh, created the, uh, when you see the opportunity and have been have prepared for that opportunity mm-hmm. like you said that creates luck yes and, and some of the things i also want to touch that uh, our listeners might be interested in is career advice mm-hmm. how did you get to where you are now and you know hindsight is twenty twenty. if you could look back five years back 15 20 years on the professional side uh, what have you learned now and what advice would you give someone that is maybe interested in pursuing um, starting their own uh, Hispanic chamber, for example, and, and, and the, the many benefits that gives at the STEM levels and economic development and so forth? Or what if somebody wants to open themselves to a position of an appointment, whether that's state level or federal level? What have you learned? And if you could do it all over again, what advice would you give to others? I think filling a need is something that people need to uh, look at for example, in the case of founding the Baltimore Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, I noted that there were a number of Hispanic businesses opening up, and there was no one association that was uh, a conduit for these businesses to, to get together and to um, not only network but bring people that would might be able to give Hispanic businesses uh, opportunities to grow their businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, an access point for political leaders to come in and talk to uh, Hispanic businesses. There wasn't anything there. And so I began to talk to business owners and asking them if they would consider or think about coming together in an association. 
And a lot of them said, you know, I don't have the time, but a lot of them said, hey, you know, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And so in the beginning, it was just seven or eight businesses. And it grew grew in, 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 until there were over 200. Wow. So it's just a matter of looking for opportunities many times. And, and filling that need. And but, but doing your research before you, you maybe think of filling that need, because you definitely don't want to duplicate efforts. Absolutely. And you don't want to mirror what everyone else or someone else is doing, because maybe instead of competing, you may want to augment and, and join that, that uh uh, that effort. But in this case, there was a need that you identified. You uh, met with several stakeholders and individuals in the in the community, and all of them felt the same. It was something that you could do together. So that that that's great. I, I think that is very important. Um, and, and the next one is in, in your appointment now as a, as a deputy secretary in the first Latino. I don't I don't want to gloss over that or yeah, not give it. Thank you. That, that's pretty fantastic. And I, I want to thank you for your public service and certainly for for taking on this leadership role. Um, as the first Latino serving in, in this position, if you could give advice to anyone that is also interested in serving in, in similar roles, what would that be? For me, it started out in a volunteer capacity. Many, many years ago, I had an interest in politics. And so I, I volunteered for a political campaign. And it was through uh, that particular campaign I began to meet people in this political sphere wasn't born into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I wasn't a, a wealthy guy that these politicians were, you know, tracking down to to support them financially. But I gave what I had, which was my time. Mm-hmm. And they always talk about giving, uh, you know, your time, your talent, um, uh, or your treasure uh, to an organization. And I didn't have any treasure to give. <laughs> But I did have time and I did have some talent. So I offered that. And they, uh, they graciously, graciously included me. I, I started to d- develop my networks in the political sphere. And so, again, pr- I prepared. Mm-hmm. And so when the time came, I raised my hand. And I said, look, uh, you guys are missing out on an opportunity to uh, – reach the Hispanic community and uh, in this in the, with this particular appointment I, I, I indicated to um, uh, the team that uh, I hadn't seen any Hispanic appointments at significant levels and they were grateful that I brought it to their attention mm-hmm. and Care for what you wish for. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So they said, Luis, you know, would you consider? And I said, yeah. So sometimes you you create your own opportunities, and and that's great if you if you can find the need, you can identify it, you can fill it, and then I, I, I'm not saying you did this, but I've, I'm certainly guilty of this. Fake it until you make it, right? Yeah, and sure. just and figure it out, and and don't be scared to ask for help. No. And, and lean on your network. Lean on those that you have surrounded yourself with that have helped get you to where you are. Is that not right? Yeah, absolutely. The important thing is to ask. you got to open your mouth, right? They're not going to come to you because you're wishing for it. Right. Uh, you, do have to, you do have to ask. Mm-hmm. And, and many people are afraid to do that. But if you, if you remind yourself that all they can say is no, mm-hmm. 
you know, you, you move you, on. You, <laughs> you absolutely move the on. Next, right? Yeah, <laughs> that that's that's fantastic. Um, and and I'm I'm really glad we we've I mean we've touched on on STEM. We've touched on a nonprofit you created. We tu- we touched on your two political appointments. We we touched on uh, the difference between you know pursuing college and post college and not overlooking the trade opportunities. And and a lot of them again have the nexus to STEM and and different jobs that. Like you mentioned, that one example of, of that gentleman that you know that started making $75,000 right out of college. Right. I mean, that certainly wasn't my case. Um, Are we going to talk about global warming next? Because we can solve that. Absolutely. <laughs> let's let's do it. We got all the time in the world. I mean, we, right. we could talk for, for, for hours here. But uh, Luis, I want to thank you very much for, for taking time for, to, uh, to t- speak with us, share your story, share your insight, share your advice. Um, I want to thank you for your public service. I want to thank your family, your six kids, and your wife. God bless her for Amen for, to that. <laughs> for everything that you've done, um, not just for the state of Maryland as uh, the first Latino to serve in the deputy secretary of state position, but certainly where you were in um, in L.A. and, and New Mexico and, and now here. Victor, it's been a pleasure and an honor, and I hope there's been a tidbit of what we've been able to talk about today that somebody will take to heart and that will change a life. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.